0: Jim, how are you this week?
1: I am good, Randy. How about yourself?
0: Excellent. I just made my first mistake. <laughs> All right, right, let's. that's okay, though. I just didn't duck the music properly. Anyway, you're listening to Leave the Bible Podcast. I'd like to say that we're on every week, but it's far from being the truth, because we are rarely on every week. But here we are this week. When we have a lot of little news and uh, items to talk about, anything on the personal level of last week before we get into some of the more abstract stuff, Jim? Anything happened to you interesting last week? Uh,
1: I don't know about interesting. I mean, I, I I spent the week fighting with people about Ebola in America, and that's a good and, start. Let's yeah, do. Let's go and, with know, that. Going, going to the movies and things like that. You know, Nothing drastic. The, the The fighting about Ebola was definitely the, the highlight of my week, though. Let's hear about the, well,
0: what kind of fighting. I mean, we all know well, that it's been over, overexposed.
1: Point, I mean, you haven't been that far removed from living in America to not understand Americans and fear. We love fear. We love being scared. Uh, it's not just going to the movies and you know, having the bejesus scared out us. We love sitting around and being chicken littles. I mean, I, I never I mean, I'm. F- almost fifty three and I think it's finally really dawned on me that we as Americans love being scared. Yeah. We like we like fear. We like having people in positions above us instill fear in us. We like being scared by the media. We like not thinking. We like letting other people decide things for us. We like people other people to put thoughts into our head and I I think that it really, uh, a lifetime of experiences has finally culminated into that way of thinking by me of realizing that by and large, while being good people, Americans are a pretty chicken shit mentality (laughs) when it it comes to things like the Ebola scare, which as I fought with somebody again yesterday on Twitter, because I'm just at that kind of an idiot. The next American that dies of Ebola will be the first American that dies of Ebola. The one person that died in Dallas was an African who came here already sick and died a week, a week or two later. Not one American, including the healthcare workers in Africa that contracted Ebola over there and were airlifted over here. Not one American has died of Ebola.
0: Yeah, but you're and talking that, you're speaking reasonably uh, reasoning rather than watching the news loops and what the well, that's media want to put out I'm no
1: longer watching the news loops. <laughs> I still read I still read online um, you know different stories and I'm keeping up to date on all the medical information that's going out and now this whole new thing with uh, Governor Cuomo and Governor Christie and their mandatory uh, quarantining of healthcare workers, which by the way, may get lifted today or tomorrow because of the outrage over that nurse who's twice tested negative. She never she never even had a fever. They put a forehead scanner on her at the airport and because she was upset, her, tele, her uh, fever elevated quickly and it was right back to normal before and after that. But Americans love to be afraid. We love to be like holy shit, what's the next bad thing that's going to happen to us? And I just don't get it for a land that was started with with hope and promise in many ways and of people coming from other terrible existences and building, you know, a country that where you know, you really can do anything for the most part. Uh Well, this- the other part of this is also that
0: uh back in uh, not that many hundreds of years ago. I mean, we needed, we had fear every day for one reason yes. or another. I mean, if you go way back in the caveman days or the tribal day, you know, all of those prehistory, whatever whatever you want to call that huge time before we actually got any civilization going, you were fearing in fear for your life all day, every day. And of you had course. to listen to that little... That little branch crackling in back of you could have been like 20 seconds from the end of your existence. Of course, not that anybody thought of it that way, really, but you had that that five and that adrenaline. And then, say, in the, I don't know, 1800s, uh, in uh, Europe, there were, you know, speaking of Ebola, you got a disease in those days. I mean, just being born was so traumatic, something like 60% of the births were, you know, stillbirths or dead. So yeah. there was all of that. And then take it to the Wild West. What's that about the eighteen seventy something like that? I mean, you can get shot on the street. There was nothing. Of course, of course, that hasn't changed, has that it? That happens now in America. That <laughs> hasn't so. changed, has it? But anyway, the wild, whole Wild West and being scared. Right. And if you, you know, every Western has put that together, where pe- the people in the town lived in fear because you know people were rustling cattle and there was there was gangs and stuff. That actually hasn't changed much. But as you know we're probably safer today than we've ever been. But that doesn't, for some reason, uh, obviate the need for this fear. And I think you put your finger on it, too, with the, you know, why is, why was Breaking Bad so great, other than some of its obvious qualities? There was a lot of fear in Breaking Bad, fear of getting caught, fear of, you know, being... Killed by uh, the the drug barons and all of that. Leaving
1: your family uh, destitute after you passed away. Exactly. Fears.
0: I mean that entire thing was based on how he reacted to his fear. And the sure. Walking Dead, you know, another one of your favorites, the Walking Dead. Okay, isn't that all about the fear and the horrible? The zombies are fear. Um, yeah. I was going to say incarcerated, but I meant uh, instantiated.
1: Whatever well, it actually, in The Walking Dead, it's almost like the living are the incarcerated because they're in a hiding all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. from and it's actually I, I'm I'm going to be watching The Walking Dead today from last night, but that is based on fear. Also, I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's 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 and then I'm not just talking about Hollywood fear. I'm talking about real fear. If there is a breakdown in society. What would you do? How far would you be willing to go? And yep. I think that, for in the end, probably ninety nine percent of the people would do absolutely anything they had to if suddenly a, a mega pandemic swept the world uh, and you know society basically broke down, government and uh, social services all broke down to to the point where you and yours were kind of left on your own again, like the old days, like you talked about hundreds of years ago, what would you do? And I, the answer I think to me is clear is absolutely anything you needed to do. And I think that that's. I wonder, you
0: and, know what? I want to challenge that. I wonder not everybody would, a lot of people would. I mean, Those people would be quickly fig, dead. Well, figuratively speaking, when you say, what would you do? Yeah, do you know, I mean, it certainly excuses any behavior in all of these uh, fictional things, and um, possibly even in life with revolutions and, you know. Does it excuse it,
1: or is, does it address what's really inside of us?
0: Well, but what I was going to say is that I think a lot of people would just be swept away and not do anything. I mean, I, I think that there's, there is that, and I don't know which side. I'm not saying I would be Mr. You know, Rise Up and— but, but I mean, your premise is right. You would do anything, and, and I guess if that's what that's about, and that's kind of what Breaking Bad was about, too, in a certain sense, right? Right. Uh, that he, you know, what he had to do to handle that. And if there would have been Obamacare, the series never would have <laughs> had to happen, right?
1: Well, and that, that was always a running joke, <laughs> a joke. later on, that if there, if there had been Obamacare earlier, or if, Walt, if the whites had lived in Montreal... Albuquerque, there would have been no premise to the show (laughs) at all. But, you know, fear is a fear is a good motivating factor sometimes in life. But fear can also trap you and just envelop you and keep you in circumstances that are so harmful to yourself. I speak from personal experience on that, but I I, but on a broader sense. And that's what this whole if, if anything, with this whole Ebola thing, it's yet again, watching reactions from ordinary americans who are probably quite reasonable in most areas of their lives i'm not talking about the tinfoil crowd right i'm talking about your normal average joe and jane main street suburbia tax paying don't break the laws you know go shopping every saturday morning kind of people which is by and large most americans really by definition uh, yeah I think typically, I think they're really. I mean, I I know that's a broad uh, brush stroke, but I think that still is. Yeah, I don't. It's Central American, but yeah, I I see this fear, and it's it's reminding me. And it was a comment I made to this person who it turns out they're a blogger as well. They're an idiot and they're a blogger. Um, (laughs) I said, "No comment." (laughs) Just like after nine eleven. You're sounding like just after 9-11 when we were all ready to just serve up all of our civil liberties to the government to keep us safe. And so what did we get out of that? We got the Patriot Act without with barely a whisper of condemnation. We got wars in Afghanistan. We got wars in Iraq that are continuing to this day. And that was all based on please protect me because I'm afraid. But and. this is
0: this whole thing that you're talking about. You mentioned Christie, and you know, I don't, I don't uh, closely watch that kind of stuff. But I can tell you this: it's very obvious that all of these things, starting with say going back to say Benghazi, going back to various, I mean, all of this stuff is based on making political capital out Absolutely. of current events. So ISIS or icicle, whatever it's called. Uh, all of those, every one of these things, when you look at the reality of a threat, yeah, sure, somebody, they found somebody who's going to do this and going to do trying to do that in the United States. These are real threats. Terrorism is a real threat. But let me tell you something. Uh, there was, I forgot how long ago, there was a light rail station blown up in the middle of Paris. I mean, one of us, my wife and I, we lived very close to there and gone by there all the time. We could have been blown up in that thing. Paris suffered all kinds of much more uh, realized uh, strikes like that. And during the Algerian War, you don't even want to get started on that. Uh, but the point is, there's hasn't been the same kind of panic. Uh, they raised the level over here because, you know, the French were became a huge target. Uh, and, you know, publicly, just a few weeks ago, they were already talking about the French because of the... I guess the coalition, for whatever reason, right. Right. there's a lot of people. A lot of people. There are people uh, of Arabic descent who have never probably been in the countries they were born here, who are going to Syria to fight because there. These people have you know illusions, obviously, and sure. not anything, not a better life to to look at. That's unfortunate. I feel sorry for that. But the point is, other than that, the fear that could be whipped up here. Is not happening, but in this uh, and Ebola, I haven't even heard a word about it. I guess you get it, see it in the headlines once in a while. Um, My God, if he- you
1: were over here right now, Randy, oh, I know. you would absolutely lose your mind. It's it is nonstop discussion on TV. It's non-stop discussion on you know U.S. Uh, media websites. You hear it in offices. You hear it in the streets. But that's it's because absolutely it's absolutely insane that the, for something that has not killed one American. But that's because
0: uh, that's because the political capitalization of the yes. topic, and it's because of the media. And I, I don't know if we've spoken. Yeah, I think we talked uh, after I told you I was reading Jimmy Dore's book.
1: Yeah, called, I've, I've been reading it, by the way.
0: Oh, great. So, you you know, you've seen... I mean, some of it's not even new. We've talked about this stuff before, and he's talked right. about it. Bill Maher talks about it, and everybody who isn't tied into that. When, uh, the media Bill
1: Maher become a neocon, by the way.
0: Yeah, well, he's got that one thing, and, uh, you know, let's not get into that. Oh. That's his problem. Yeah. Um, yes. But... Besides that one area, he's certainly right about... Well, he can't talk... He's on HBO, so he's not going to be talking about the media empires either, actually. But Jimmy Dore's point, to those of you who haven't read the book or didn't know about it, I think one of his most important points that he makes is how um, when I was growing up and into my young adulthood, there were laws in the United States. That was the Federal Communications Commission in those days, the FCC, which had, first of all, a mandate to control all news and media media. Uh, and as a result, that's why television stations had to have news. Because back in the day, news was a loser. You didn't make any money on news. Let's face it, today, it's all news, fake news, faux news, but that's the moneymaker now. Now you've got the clowns, like, I'm not going to name them, but people who are, on, uh, uh, who are on faux news, for example, and it's just a show. The news is a show. There is no news, it's the show. Right. But, but the point is that uh, that Dorr makes in his book is that uh, back in the day, there was a law and you c- one company couldn't own one corporation like News Corp couldn't own all of the medias. They, in fact, I believe the literal law was if you owned a newspaper, you could not own radio stations or TV right. stations. If you owned a TV station, right. you couldn't own newspapers, et cetera.. So, so yeah. somehow right. people had at least the potential of getting different news. And right. what happened, They that law was uh, struck down or didn't happen, you know, got rescinded or whatever. And now, as a result, and the, the point that door makes is that Cal- a lot of California is liberal. Not all, but a lot. And in California, there's still basically the entire news uh, me- uh, machine is owned by Murdoch and Co. So it's odd that... <laughs> You know, there are very, very few uh, liberal
1: enclaves. And, you know, I, the other the, point the that he the makes— The whole liberal media thing is just right? such yeah, fan—
0: And it's called—and as and everybody calls it liberal media. And then you go look at Meet <sighs> the Press and some of the things he points out. And the other thing that he's big on and I totally agree with is is getting money out of politics. Because money, politics—he he demonstrates— uh, Pretty clearly to me, and this is not about right and left, by the way. It isn't about liberal or conservative. It's about being disillusioned and thinking that the government is in power when really corporations have almost all of the power.
1: They, they own well, now everybody. Now you personhood. The U.S. Supreme Court has given corporations personhood. Yeah. That's just, uh, That's by, that by definition, should be insanity. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> and, crazy. Mean, that that to, uh, to give personhood... To an inanimate object, essentially, a corporation, brings money further into politics yeah, in, exactly. a way, in a way that you and I as individual citizens could never hope to compete against. Even while the, we have limits, we have spending limits that we can donate. But even if you and I and like a lot of my neighbors donated to the max to a X candidate or Y candidate doesn't matter liberal or conservative, we still can't hope to match yeah what what is the the corporations with their personhood are able to put into these races, which means we don't stand any kind of if you want to talk about fear, as an American, mm-hmm. if you want to talk about justified fear, there you go. There is justified fear right there in the complete takeover and abolition of our political system via the corporate state. It has happened. It has happened and and I don't see it any way of it going back because they have more power, they have more money than you and I and you know thousands of others rising up together could ever hope to come up with. So if you want to talk about legitimate fear, screw Ebola. That's that I'm sorry. <laughs> right. But you know Okay, you know, if two months from now, you know, we're, we're you know bringing the dead into trenches and pouring gasoline on them to stop the spread. Okay, then you can say, hey, Jim, you know, you fucked up. You were wrong. <laughs> but until that time, no, I'm not wrong. You're wrong for letting your fears captivate you so much. And you're talking about, it's interesting, you're talking about the whole media aspect. Last week, the horrible events in Canada especially I mean in Montreal first but specifically in Ottawa at the war memorial which is the Canadian version of the unknown soldier as a matter of fact the unknown soldier uh, that's where they stand right in front of and and next to and my wife and I I I grew up about an hour and a half from Ottawa and my wife and I go up there quite often and and uh, you know we love the whole Ottawa area and, and, and all of that and it was funny the first time I took my wife up there to the parliament and it's not like the white house where there's gates and fences and, and all this obstruction all over the place. It's this big, huge building with a big yard in the front and you can just walk up onto the, onto the grounds Mm -hmm. and you can literally walk right into the parliament building and go for tours. I mean, and you don't have to pass through all these, uh, protective places there was one cop sitting in a car that the morning my wife and i went on a morning i don't know seven eight years ago the first time i took her to ottawa and we're we were just kind of like chuckling to ourselves what's he going to do he's sitting in the, uh, in the car granted i'm sure there was invisible people you know security wise that you couldn't possibly see but it still wasn't all that much we've been to washington a million times into the white house and you know, that's a fortress. Well, not really after what's happened there the last couple of months. But we went into parliament and we're walking all through there. And it was just, it was like walking into, say, your state capitol building, mm-hmm. Even less so. I mean, I work in a courthouse and I have to go through all sorts of metal detectors every day, several times a day. And, and there's swipe badges and this, that. And i tell you what, the courthouse I go to work to and every day had more had more barriers walking into it than the Canadian Parliament Building did. That may and change, they, and and they oh, I'm sure it probably will. And it was amazing because they had the 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 time we were we were up in a very top part of the Parliament, way up high in the tower, out looking out over Ottawa. And there was all of a sudden this huge demonstration started on the front lawn of the parliament with signs and speakers and loudspeakers. It was for Kosovo independence. And this went on for and there was a few cops around, but it was orderly. And there was a couple hundred people. And I'm taking pictures from way up in the tower. And my wife was just amazed. She's like, and they're allowing this right on the f- grounds, literally probably 100 feet from the front doors. Go, Can you imagine on the front? Uh, south lawn of the white house having demonstrations with signs and speakers and loudspeakers literally 50 or 100 feet away from the front doors the portico uh doors leading into the white house never happened well there it has and that was always like a source of 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 happiness to me seeing that 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 society that you know part of part of my upbringing and seeing that so wide open and uh among the horrors of it all last week was the realization that that's probably going to be radically changed now and but my bigger point was was i went up to the cbc the canadian broadcasting company after first starting to watch what was unfolding on american news and in american news it was like very hysterical between msnbc You know, CNN, uh, I flipped over to Fox for a minute, you know, so the whole, you know, terror, this terror that was going on and on. Well, when I went to the CBC, it was thoughtful. It was nuanced. They didn't have big, huge graphics on the screen about terror and, you know, terror in uh, the nation's capital because Ottawa being the capital. And it was like, why can't we have that still in America? Why can't we go back to the days of the Walter Cronkites and the David Brinkley's? Because there's a huge
0: uh, profit in the circus atmosphere of the
1: news. That's why. It did not last today. But it was just it was at least for a moment. And I watch a lot of BBC. So I understand that, that more the reserved news game, people than the news game. I watch a lot of Al Jazeera America as well. And uh, That was set news- up by the BBC, though, so it's kind of large. yes, it is. It's it is quasi. It's a lot of former BBC employees there. You, but hey, wait a minute. You mentioned CBC. It's like it can still be done that way. The news can still be done that yeah, way.
0: Yeah, but uh, there's a CB story, CBC story that just came. I just saw today that uh, was published about uh, one of the one of the um, main presenters being fired. Did you see this story? Oh, yeah, yeah, And I don't know, we don't want to spend 20 minutes on this, but just a quick, and I'm not familiar with the guy at all, but the main premise is that he was fired and that they, uh, well, the the short version of the story is that he's into some kind of... uh, uh slightly slightly yeah um i can't think of the right word that's neutral enough for this but he's into some different uh bondage what i don't know if it's specifically that but you know different kinds of uh sexual activities that were totally with consent and what what was striking is that in his letter and of course you know maybe he's a liar i
1: you can't his facebook post
0: no, I'm don't do Facebook, and I don't care no, what's no, on no, Facebook. No, no,
1: no. I mean, he shared it openly to the. Well, public. I saw the whole story. No, no, I
0: read his story that you didn't have to go to Facebook to see. So the the okay. the point is with it's a very long story too, but the point of it is that he says that, uh, and by the way, this Facebook is what allowed the woman to stalk his, who he was uh, dating, probably, and uh, right. contact them. But anyway. The, there's a bunch of allegations, and the story is simply that the CBC told them, "Oh, we totally believe that this was consensual, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's just not be, it's just behavior unbefitting to a CBC presenter. So there is a um, a proclamation that you can sign, boy, my English is awful today it's a thing that you sign to get pe- to make change. What do you call it? <laughs> You know, um, well, for
1: a, what for a partner?
0: No, 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 you sign it's all of us should go to the CB to this site and oh, sign like the, a petition. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> That's terrible when you can't think of those simple <laughs> words. So it's a there is a petition out there that uh, is trying to get him treated fairly. I think this is a real stupid story, but I, I only brought it up because the CBC is not God either, and they have limits, and they're still a corporate entity. And who knows? Maybe Canada will follow suit. Well, they're, a,
1: they're a public and entity. Become, they're, they're fully taxpayers. Oh, they uh, are? A hundred percent? in Canada. Oh, that's well, interesting. Well, they, they, they do have a commercials. I mean, they do sell the commercials, and they do have a commercial oh, entity. That's so they're, that's not correct. They're not 100%. But they are, by and large, they're, for the most part, it is – it's uh it's like a commercial version of PBS essentially, okay, but yeah. they have sports and so it's like the BBC,
0: stuff. which is license fees well, and
1: it was interesting because he's uh Gian, I forget the how to pronounce his last uh-huh. name, but his show Q has been popular for years yeah. on C B C radio. He cre- and
0: he TV. says he created the show, apparently. Yes. So and he started
1: know. off in the in the in a really interesting indie band, Moxie Fruvis, who I used to really like <laughs> before he did. He looks that. young though. Uh, how old is he? Do you know? He, he, 47 or 48. Oh,
0: well that's young for me.
1: And, uh, I mean, yeah. And there was a kind of almost a similar scandal about seven, eight, nine years ago. That's uh she's a, a, a female presenter on CBC for cultural and classical and opera and all that stuff. But she also acts mm-hmm. and she was in this little indie movie that was, it wasn't an X rated movie because it was he's uh I forget the director's name. Uh, But he's like a very avant-garde director. Well, there was explicit sex within this movie. It was called Short Bus. Mm -hmm. And most of the actors that were in it agreed to have scenes of actual real explicit sex. She agreed to it as well. She had right on screen, full intercourse, you could tell. Well, it was as part of the whole movie. And the CBC was going to fire her because – she right. did this, and they in fact did fire her. But what happened was her colleagues uh, stood up for her at the CBC in mass and threatened to walk off their oh, job. Interesting. And then it became a huge public thing for several days. The CBC backed down from it, uh, reinstated her. And to this day, she's still one of the more uh, popular presenters for CBC. Well, after
0: she would be popular after that. the entire population <laughs> saw her having sex
1: uh, on screen. She wasn't but, a very good actress, <laughs> but it was, it was a fun scene, I guess. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. So it'll be interesting on this, although uh, Gian has also already said he's filing a lawsuit this morning for $50 million against CBC. So we'll see. I mean, the thing is, is there's a lot more to come from this, supposedly yep. – there's other women there's there's allegations that some of this may not have been consensual, uh but then there's you know then there's his very very detailed thing that you know it's that it was all consensual, and that this is you know revenge kind of thing, yeah, which we see a lot now, especially online with with the internet now, and again, I don't know if it goes into fear or not you know, fear of being left alone or fear of, you know, having somebody abandon you mm-hmm. and now you have this marvelous tool of the internet to completely annihilate and trash people. Yep. People lose their jobs now at the, f- all you have to do is put one wrong tweet, wrong, one wrong Facebook post, yeah. have one allegation against you. And before you know it, boom, you know, you're, you know, you're Richard Kimball uh, on the run, you know, <laughs> and, and it's, it's, that's kind of scary. I mean, that's the kind of fear that I can almost appreciate where one person's word is all it takes now to condemn you. That's all it takes. Yeah. You know, it's right, it's just, like a modern scarlet letter. All you have to do is have one jilted lover come out and with one allegation. Well, they were with them for six months, so it must be true. Yeah. It's like, well, not necessarily. They could have just been a spurned lover pissed off because you know they've moved on to other pastures. Who knows? But um, I don't know, you know, man. We are racked with fear. That's all I know. Is there's a
0: yep. There's a lot of it. So uh, you also saw. We we're going to talk a little bit about uh, TV. Uh, by the way, um, did you ever watch the show? New Amsterdam, about the guy who was, had eternal life and was a cop in New York. You didn't watch that?
1: No, I saw about it, but no, it never made it onto my programming schedule. And there is
0: a uh, sort of a copycat version that just uh, came out and did a few, uh, I think eight episodes so far, called Forever, which is exactly, almost exactly the same principle. Uh, had a British actor in the lead role, but it had Judd, Judd Hirsch is in it, and he's, he's good. He's really good, and he does a great job. Anyway, I happen to like these, whether you do or somebody else does or not, but I just wanted to say that as another show that I actually like, my wife likes. We watch it together, and it's canceled. I mean, i mean, <laughs> canceled. Oh, canceled. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, there's, so there's no sense in me. I was just going well, oh, to maybe a, I'll go check it well, out. Well, you then. could
0: take a look. It's amusing, and you could take a, and it has a little humor in it. And it's like I said, Judd Hirsch is good, so he could be a
1: attraction. Um, Actually, my my television schedule has hockey started up about two and a half. Oh, weeks ago. that's it. So now, from now until next June, my TV schedule will go way, way, way down because right. almost every night we'll be watching hockey there we'll have our core few shows but and you can like still in dvr the mornings. everything though
0: huh you can still dvr everything you want to watch well, if yeah, you're yeah, really yeah. into well, the yeah. walking and, and, dead or whatever. And on the
1: weekends and like on the weekends we'll play catch up and like for me because there's certain shows as my wife likes to call it morning violence <laughs> that i'll watch in the mornings while i'm getting ready you know things like the walking dead or before it used to be breaking bad and before it was true blood uh, I'll watch those in the morning before going to work. She'll be getting ready in the other room and she's hearing you know, zombies Screaming and, all and these stuff. horrifying sounds. And she's like, Jesus Christ, morning violence. And it's like, well, it gets, gets me pumped up for my work day. What can I say?
0: So you're not but, a fan of Homeland, by the way, right?
1: You liked it you know, before? Well, I, you liked the I, I, first the, season? The, the opening of this season was so disturbing to me one particular scene that I haven't been able to, yet anyways to bring myself to go back to the table and watch that. It was just to me it was it was unnecessary. It was so far I I, I did, it, it made it so that visually I don't know that I can watch huh. Yeah. It after that, because it was just it was very disturbing. I thought it was gratuitous, and I thought it was really disrespectful to the viewers. I didn't think it was needed. To, we already knew the point. I she's think no mo- she's no mother. She, she, I, she doesn't want to be. Yeah, I, I think that. Do that.
0: I think that in a lot of cases, not so much in this particular case you're talking about, but in a lot of cases, the other thing is that with all this fear and all the vibe that's going on, uh, the the level of needed to to shock or surprise, whatever you want to call it, is much right. higher. So if you look at shows like the, some of the ones that we've talked about, like like the stoning scene in um, in um, The Leftovers. The leftovers. Uh, which by the I fast-forwarded through that and without looking at it, but the point is, the that point is, yeah, I mean the, that the, 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 almost
1: turned did. me off from what's turning into a really cool TV show. But that scene almost turned me away from the series.
0: Yeah, um, but there's a lot of that in a lot of things, and that's why I more appreciate. The, the absurd and ridiculous, like The Strain or Arrow, some of those. Uh, speaking of which, did you are you into Gotham? I did, watched one and didn't like it. Do you like Gotham, or did you watch I it? I watched three of them. I watched three of oh, them, and it's
1: not that I don't like it, Um I haven't watched the last couple, and I'm not. You know, I don't know. I'm not sure yet. Because the first one was horribly violent. The very first that yeah, scene where yeah, the was, parents was, get yeah, killed. Yeah, it was, and it stays. And they didn't need violent. not. And it's supposed to be kind of cartoonish. So, like some of the, yeah, act, they, like Jaden Pickett Smith, you're supposed to take that for a grain of salt. That that's more of a comic kind of thing. I don't know. I'm ambivalent on that one. That's the one that. I don't feel the need in this moment, but I may like, later this year. I may, you know, go back and mm-hmm. start picking it up again. I don't know. I mean, the ones that we're completely watching at this point—it's uh, the, the cheesy one for us—is Parenthood. We're huge Parenthood fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, uh, Sleepy Hollow and The Blacklist are the ones that are like for us that are must see every week if we're watching together. Not a Grim fan. Hollow. Huh?
0: You're not Grimm fans? No.
1: Oh, no. gee. But but uh, but a uh, like like Sleepy Hollow, <laughs> the, the Blacklist mainly because of Spader. Spader is you know, James Spader is great as Red Reddington in, in Blacklist. The peripheral cast, yeah, they're they're only so-so at best. They're not really good actors.
0: I can't uh, stand the woman. That's why I can't stand to watch. Oh, I know. I don't well, know why. You know
1: what? she's actually better this year than she was last year. And last year, we've talked about it before. I couldn't stand her last year. I thought, I still don't think that she's a very good actress. I really don't. I think she should do something with the woman from Orange is the New Black, the
0: blonde. They should oh. go do a, they should do a two female cops thing or something together. So they could both be horrible and hate, hated.
1: Yeah. I, I don't and know. I mean, I, though, I'm, I, I, that's, that's mean. The, the rest of the cast is very dispensable, throwaway, forgettable. It and, is. And he, now it that you
0: mention matter. it, um, um, the black guy who's the boss, right? Is he still in there? See, yeah, he's, he's hobbling not, around right now, cane like or
1: something. And I've
0: usually liked him and other stuff. Yeah. He's he's yeah, a better he's, actor. He, I think maybe the writing sucks for the other characters. Maybe this is the writing is ju- done only it for is. Spader. It hey, is. Spader's the guy. These guys we're not going to pay him that much.
1: Give him the shorter scenes and the crappy dialogue, and don't worry about it. I uh, you know I read uh, last a couple of weeks ago. I read an interesting uh, article, and it had a breakdown on salaries in general and <laughs> Hollywood for TV shows. Wait, this is and one of those actually, things that
0: this was one of those things where it's you clicks, you clicked a thing that said, you won't believe how much money these people think. No, 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 <laughs> no. It was like actually it. A
1: very reasoned, very, very yeah. interesting. And I knew that a lot of them don't make anywhere near as much as, you know, people assume. I'm not talking about the big stars, the James Spaders. Yes. He's going to make his big dollars. Certain actors on certain shows are going to make their big dollars. Uh, but by and large, I, and I knew already. I mean, I've seen before some of the salaries for some actors on some shows, in like, uh, oh, the show Shameless on on uh, Showtime, mm-hmm. the William H Macy show, and I saw like two three years ago that all the kids on the show were making like ten twelve thousand dollars an episode, and they feel like. Twelve of them, I think, or thirteen of them a year. So, I mean, they're making money, but it's, they're not making hand over fist. Because when you have agents, I mean, you've been in the in the, the music business. When you have agents and you have publicists and you have you know all these other that Hollywood people have, you know, and their talent agencies take a cut and you know, hair and makeup and this and all that. And then taxes on top of it. And then if you're living in California, you know, the cost of living is sky mm. high. So before you know it, if you're one of those people making ten, twelve thousand dollars 12000 an episode, you're making $120,000, a year, you're not making all that much. Not really. I mean, you're making more than a person pumping gas or, you know, working in a store.
0: Well, that's not even – actually, that's not even certain because you've got to average it out over the time that they're not working. In the case – you know, because right. in acting or, or music – but the other way to look at this, though, is uh, the elements that make that show. and uh, Macy's obviously, i don't I don't watch it. I watched a couple of them, but I, I don't care. I didn't care for it. But the point is that Macy is not only is he a big name, but he's also an amazing actor. So he must have certainly
1: negotiated a huge piece. Oh, yes.
0: And that's expensive to film because it looks like it's a pretty expensive... They don't screw around. It's a good production. It's not like some they're cheesy... They're filming
1: in Chicago. They're filming on location. Yeah,
0: I mean, and, and and they've got... So there's a lot of cost. I'm not trying to be a, the apologist for the production. But also, you know, young people accept ex, really exceptional... Uh, child actors or young actors that you go, oh, this this person, this guy or this woman, girl is going to be huge. you know. And I've seen a couple of those. But unless it's that and unless they're not already – unless they are already huge in the production, and in other words where they just stand out and half make the whole thing, right. I can't, wouldn't expect them to be making that much. So there's nothing I'm, shocking there. I was there.
1: really surprised because there, there's almost like a set um – parameter for what you can i mean for the actors it varies but i'm sure most of the people that you see doing like a couple of lines they might make a, a grand or a couple of grand but even writers of episodes if you're the sole writer of uh like an hour-long episode you can make you can make as much as 20 $25, for an episode but if you're one of a an ensemble of writers you might yeah. be making three four five thousand dollars per show and that's a lot of hours of work and that's way. a lot of hours yeah. of work, and if you're on a show that's films – 13 or 16 episodes for yeah, the year sure you know you're making about what i make i mean no, there's, really there's frankly, no based on a year round
0: well there's also like i said there's no question not only that but and you spend a lot of hours and you spend a lot of hours schmoozing and networking and having to sell you, you know and then you've got your agents and all that the commissions though so it's percentage but also you've got the nine months of the year that of, of every year that you're not working or you know you're
1: getting other gigs so like my, yeah my my my, my uh cousin she's an actress and she does mainly like indie stuff and mm-hmm. but she's been lately doing a lot of behind the scenes she's been doing like uh she's been doing acting still but she also does some producing she does some writing she does uh like on the the last John Sales movie she acted in it but she also uh, because it's a little indie mm-hmm. movie. John Sayles does indie stuff. Do other stuff, yeah. She's also like one of the casting directors for mm-hmm. it as well. She, she has to, because she has a regular job on top of it all, mm-hmm. but she has to wear many hats because yeah. that's the way it works. Now, I remember a couple of years ago, she uh she had a part in one episode of United States of Tara, and she was all excited because that was her first Prime time. on on a bigger non-indie, mm-hmm. on a bigger, you know, Kind of endeavor, mm-hmm. and that she was, you know, putting it. She was taking her paycheck and she was for it, and she was going to, you know, frame it and all. And we, you know, we were all obviously very proud of her, you know, because you know she spent years trying to get to there, but mm-hmm. she still has to wear that because they still have to go on call all the time, and they have to go to you know all these auditions, and then you also have to make the rounds. You have to go to all the gatherings. You have to go to all the parties. I'm always seeing her you know, like pictures of her at different events throughout Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily because she wants to go out and party every night. It's because she has to see and be seen. She has to meet and greet. That's the way it works. And so you don't get paid for that stuff. That's and what you were saying earlier about the hours you put in. That's what you're doing. Otherwise. Oh
0: yeah. Oh yeah. And and writers have all kinds of meetings where they you know then they've got drafts. I mean it's 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 not as fun a business as it looks at the out, on the outside. On the other hand, there are so many other less interesting, less fun things that uh, no, let's not spend no, any no, pity no, so on they're, these they're people they're, either. They're
1: not- They're not going into a coal mine in West Virginia. So every time I hear some of them and and my my cousin, she has the most upbeat attitude of anybody I've ever seen. I mean, she just she just takes it all and she just keeps on moving forward. She reminds me of my wife that way of just not not letting adversity get her down. And, you know, she's still swinging away for the fences, which is great.
0: Yeah, I, I published a, Yeah, that's a that's a great great uh, quality, and I I published a little post where I had met a friend of mine. I don't. I'm pretty sure we didn't talk uh, since this happened. Where I met her, and I've I've known her for many many years, and uh, she lives in a neighborhood in Paris where you see these uprisings where they uh, burn cars, and she told me. Uh, and I mean, she is not. She's making probably, you know, minimum wage or something. She's a hard worker, but she's a musician, but she has a job. And, you know, so she's not by any means, doesn't really have disposable income at all. And uh, she told me a couple of weeks ago when I saw her, she said, yeah, I came out one day, my car was burned, and all my stuff was in it too, and that was burned too. Uh. And normally, uh, my point in posting this at all was that a lot of times people will do this and they'll be looking and with tears in their eyes and making a whole drama out of it, which it is, by the sure. way. Uh, and she said that, and she's, the next thing she said was, but fortunately I'd been saving a few pennies uh, every every you know week for, uh, for two or three years, and so I had just enough to buy another car. And I mean, she said this, not like it was a matter of fact, but the way she said it, I just wanted to get down on my knees and bow down and say that's really I did tell her I said that you're an amazing person that's, that's really uh, that cool. is amazing, and especially since like the week before she was attacked in the elevator and the guy she kicked the guy in the someplace and uh, he had to run away without getting what whatever he was he wanted phone or whatever. and I know that she was sexually attacked a couple of years ago and uh, you know the again, the main point being that there are so many people out there making a drama out of the fact that somebody yelled at them during the day, right. which I, which I hate by the way, when people do that to you, <laughs> but, sure. uh, at the same time, this woman is just so amazing to me that she's able to, to persevere. That is such a wonderful quality. And if your lovely wife has that, she's got my vote for woman, oh, she woman she of the a, year.
1: She's a, she's a tough chick. I'll tell you what, she's a, <laughs> she's a tough chick. Um, I, you know, I, it's funny because we were just talking yesterday because I've been trying to flesh out uh, a, a book that, I'm, um, that I've been kind of toying with, mm-hmm. and, and I and I was saying to my wife, I was like, you know, Jesus, I said, it goes into fear again. It's like because if you know, as a musician, that you know, if you are writing something, you, you you wonder what how the reception to it is going to be, you know, and it, I think everybody, a, a lot of us who either do music or write so forth putting yourself out there opening your veins so to speak that way you know you're always unless you're extremely egotistical you you're always wondering what the reception is going to be like and you're always nervous about what the reception is going to be like and and i was saying to my wife it's like everything i've written the last couple of years for uh online for various uh, publications and so forth er, it never gets any easier it never gets any easier about my fears and 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 how the reception is going to be and and am I going to be you know mocked for it or am I going to be attacked for it because you know we all want universal acceptance and love but that's just not how it works and I said to her I said you know what I said you've fought through so much adversity and you know, with such strength and grace and class and like, I wish. I had that because I just I'm, – I'm not that strong. I'm not as strong as her when it comes to that. I fret over every last <laughs> thing, and when especially when it comes to my writing. I just absolutely – I shred myself horribly on it, and, and she's like, you know, but she goes, it's not always, you know, something – you just have to do it. You just have to do it. You have to sit down and say, I'm going to do this no matter what, you know, and you, you – Whatever the reception may be, the reception may be, but you have to do it for yourself. And I think that holds true for anybody uh, in any facet of life. I'm not just talking about somebody trying to write like me or somebody doing music like you and writing like you, but I think just in general, every day getting up and just doing the things you do in life and not letting yourself be consumed by, number one, other people's attitudes about whatever it is that you want to do. Because I I don't know about you, but I've I've let myself hold back on that so many times in my life because I've been so scared about the perceived looks and the perceived attitudes I'm going to have reflected back onto me for the decisions and the choices I want to make, and it's really hamstrung me many many times. And uh, and my wife's just like you know, sometimes you just you just have to do it. You just have to do it. And, you know, but again, it comes to fear. I mean, who wants to be mocked? Who wants to be? I mean, I still have not. And this is a complete cop out and I'm going to (laughs) own that I'm copping out here. But my distracted driver story earlier this year that was so popular Uh on Medium and the whole nine yards, Mm -hmm. I've had a very hard time following up to that because the couple of things that I wrote for Medium after that did nothing page view wise to what that did, number one got absolutely no reaction as far as people writing or chiming in pro con or whatever as compared to that story. So I kind of let myself get into a complete funk about all of that because it was like, well, okay, did I reach my pinnacle with that? Was that, was that all there was, I kind of felt like, you know, that Mm -hmm. rock group who has one hit song and then, you know, two years later they're back playing in you know, 150 seat clubs again and they know that basically, okay, that one song they had in you know, in 2002, that was it. That's the That's best funny. they're ever going to well, do. Well, there
0: is there is that. And uh, to some extent, my own musical career was like that because after I did, uh, you know, I hit a certain peak and that was, you know, decades ago, literally. But that doesn't bother me. Uh, it would be wonderful to be able to have a career. I don't have the energy to do that stuff, by the way. I, I, I know I wouldn't have no matter what. But the point is, if you're talking about writing, you can't worry about that. Um, You absolutely, if you're trying to create something, you absolutely can't worry about that kind of thing if it's a true voice. So if you have a voice, and I'm talking to you, but I'm talking also to anybody who's hearing my voice right now, if you have something inside of you that you want to get out there, there are always going to be people who think, It's nothing at all. Others who think it's wonderful. Others who think it's awful. Uh, And, you know, some people will compare you to Hitler and other people to Gandhi. But the point is, uh, if you have these thoughts and assuming that they're not the most banal, uh, you know, overdone crap that comes out. I mean, obviously, there are some stories and some ideas that have been so Overly shared that there's are of no interest, kind of like some of those memes you see on Facebook, and then they make right. the, they make the rounds. Uh, to to use your example, that story you wrote was a great that just happened to be a really nice way to put that thought. So, and even though you got a few protest <laughs> emails because of it, uh, that's beside the point. I mean, that story hit home, and that's why it got a huge response somebody saw that but remember that depended on someone else seeing it and putting a link somewhere i don't know if you've looked at where those things came from mediums yes, uh, mediums analysis isn't the greatest either it's pretty pretty simple but, uh, so where did all those things come from? Was there an article? Did somebody put a link? Oh, it like originated really blogger? from one
1: blogger. It was yeah. one blogger who can't who who probably is on Medium mm-hmm. and who saw it on Medium and then they shared it on their blog. There that was the first that really propelled it. And then some other bloggers, sure took it from there and some other bloggers commented on it and posted the link to, and it was good. It was, it was good. Uh, and it was an original yeah, point of view that I, I have let, and I know it's terrible. And again, it's a cop out, but I have let that one. I, I talked about it months ago about that one email from the, the woman. Uh, uh, you have
0: to forget whose,
1: that. His father was killed by a just drunk driver or whatever. Um, and that that was extremely upset with my story and wanted me to take it down right away. And, and, and she was very, very emotional. It was a very raw uh, email to the point that, I mean, now I think that was like maybe in March mm-hmm. I wrote the story in January. It was maybe in March and I went back and I read it again a couple of weeks ago. It really, I was hoping that, cause after I, re, I responded to her, you know, in a very thoughtful way, manner i was hoping maybe she would eventually write back to me at least if nothing else if not changing her point of view but at least understanding what my point of view was and i've never heard from her again and you well, know, i think you're better off that you never heard uh, I from suppose again. so, but you know, it was, uh, I'm a human being and I have feelings, you know, and I, and I felt very bad for her. Number one, the pain and the suffering she's going through at the loss of her father needlessly.
0: I guess her thing was precisely was, okay, how dare you write this when you don't really know? Is that, was right. that the deal?
1: Yes. She felt, she felt that I emotionally manipulated the readers, especially with the title. But you were on her side. In a sense, I was, if you will. I was arguing, essentially, for her father. Yeah. She just did. She didn't she see didn't that get in it. her pain. In she her pain. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not putting her that. down. She was essentially I mean, arguing saying. for her father, right. in her father, it really, essentially, in her father's name, right. about imploring people to be more mindful when they're driving. And and you know what? I have, I have let that emotionally, uh, I don't, I'm not going to say emotionally cripple me, but I've let that emotionally hold me back for months now because it was it was very profound reading her reaction to that that I've probably have let it go too far that way
0: yeah you got to get over that and yeah. move move on to the next thing. That that was a universal appeal that story too, which is another key. I don't know if you're going to be writing about politics. I've I'm only familiar with some of the stuff you write because there's only so many hours in the day. Sure. But some of the things are less. It's just that was an extremely wide. Uh, field of interest because everybody I haven't had a car in years and so I don't drive I hate driving and um, we occasionally rent a car maybe once a year but the point is I am a pedestrian and uh, I could just very easily be killed by some of these assholes on the road who go through red lights or there's a thousand reasons why they're not looking talking on the phone the number of opportunities I have by the way to take photos of people talking on their phone or texting I mean, talking like looking at their phone behind the wheel while they're moving, especially right. in, especially in the city where everybody thinks, well, it wouldn't be a big deal if there was a crash. Well, it would if it was under my head, you know, over my, oh, if it was I me as a pedestrian. A
1: where I have to cross <laughs> over a bunch of streets and go through. And yeah. you know what? I got to tell you, I, I, I don't care if that light says red or not, man. Until, until I see that that car is completely stopped. Yeah they're out to get you crossing that crosswalk because there are just too many instances where people are blowing through you know oh, it turned yellow I mean it went yellow to red they like speed up seconds earlier yeah they speed up yep and yeah. the people are drunk I mean there's a million million
0: million reasons why mm. you're risking your life out there okay let's do something lighter yep, uh, so we're we, gonna we were going to we talk about uh, you were going to talk, uh, talk about that movie that you saw oh, right? girl, no spoilers God. but tell us about what uh, you thought
1: well, you know what I was all excited. Uh, my wife and I have started going back to the movies again in the theaters a little bit. um, we kind of got out of it for years, but we've we've starting to enjoy it again. So you see the previews for these movies, and you mm-hmm. think, okay, this one looks good. this one looks like it sucks so and girl gone looked really like a and I've heard about the book for a while now, and uh it looked very good. you know, the wife vanishes does did the husband kill her? You know, they had the idea like Uh, marriage. Well, actually they didn't, you know, and she had this journal and uh, increasingly as she's increasingly fearful of her husband and that her husband may end up killing her. And so she vanishes one day and, you know, he's not exactly the most sympathetic character in it. And it turns out he's having an affair with a younger student that he teaches in college. and, and, Things are nowhere near as pristine as they looked on the mm-hmm. outside for their marriage. And so it becomes, uh, you know, the investigation, you know, where's her body? Did he do it? And so forth. And then I'm not, this is, it's been out for weeks now, so I'm not going to, it's not spoiling. Mm-hmm. She planned the entire thing. She planned her, she planned to frame him for her murder, even though she wasn't really dead. She planned her escape away, and she planned to frame him and send him to jail in the whole nine yards. And so it becomes this whole cat and mouse thing. The premise sounded really good, and the first two-thirds were pretty decent, were pretty good. Uh, One of the best characters in it, it's Ben Affleck's sister, his twin sister in it. It's Carrie Coons, who is the, she was in The Leftovers. She's the sister of the Reverend, the one whose family all vanished—the husband and the two children vanished—and she ended up hooking up with the sheriff right. on the leftovers. Right, right. She, she's great in this. She's probably the best actor in this. Kim Dickens was actually very good as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and so it becomes also. It turns into suddenly it turns into to this whole picture of of her diabolical plan, really, basically, to screw her husband over. Up to, and, and that's interesting, and there was interesting moments here and there, and then the entire th- last third of the movie completely fell apart from the time it was mm. about her coming back, because she ended up, Neil Patrick Harris was in it, and uh, he was a, like a psycho nut, <laughs> and uh, what after what she did with him, she had no choice but to go back, and from there, and, and after that, Ben Affleck's characters like, basically scared to death of her. Realizing that you know she has, she can kill; that she has the potential to kill, and so that affects his decisions. And the last third of it just turned into the, like this really boring, uh, plot hole filled kind of nonsense. And it was just like this is what's supposed to be one of the best movies of the year. And my wife and I were like, "Wow!" just disappointed walking out. Uh, what well, started off the first half hour to be really good; next forty five minutes still pretty damn good uh and then just denigrated from there we've all had that happen with that's movies. a
0: shame that's a shame
1: and, and it was a shame you know it was like okay you know sometimes you win sometimes you lose it right. is what it is
0: so you know? what was the last good movie that you saw was theater or not you know because i never go to the theater so i couldn't couldn't tell you but uh, uh the, just out
1: of curiosity what was the last movie that you liked Oh my God, there was a movie. Oh my, now I'm having a brain fart.
0: And we let me think, while, you, while, while, while you're thinking about this, I'm trying to think, because there was a movie that I liked way more than I thought I would, and I can't remember what that was. And since we've had Netflix, which reminds me, I've got to cancel it pretty soon, like today or tomorrow. Really? Uh, yeah, because it just does, the catalog sucks over here. They don't have a lot of this, it's not the same.
1: At right. all. I know. I went up to Netflix, very, UK, and it was actually very, quite different.
0: Yeah, it's very different. They don't even have House of Cards. Uh, they do have Orange is the New Black, but I've seen all those already. Uh, right. But I think this may have been a movie that I saw on there, an old movie that uh, surprised me. Uh, and I can't remember uh, what it was, though. But it was it was not a new movie. Anything recent that you've seen that you thought was good? You can't oh, think of yeah. anything. That's not a good sign.
1: Yeah, I can't off the top of my head. It was something a couple months ago, and I just can't remember now. Um, I think Gravity may have been the last famous
0: Gravity recent movie that I've good. seen. I liked it, kind of, you know. I mean, it wasn't it didn't blow me away, but I thought it was a good movie. It was decent. I,
1: watch, I also watch a lot of. Uh, I use Netflix for a lot of my foreign films, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're subtitled and so forth. But uh, oh my god, now I'm in a total brain fog on that, but. Yeah, because I mean, for us, it's we, you know the movies, but I would still say we're probably like ninety percent TV at this point, or mm-hmm. like a lot of documentaries too. PBS, uh, uh, there's that new uh, the new series on PBS. Uh, How did we get here? Yeah, that sounds
0: interesting. I heard the guy on uh, really blogger. Good. I heard the guy on an interview on a podcast. Uh, interview. Watch
1: it. It's actually quite good. Yeah, it uh, sounds great. First episode. Uh, about time yeah it sounded great it was really cool it's about you know how most people don't realize uh that until 1860s 1880s there was no such thing as centralized time towns had their own times and uh you know people didn't have watches people didn't have clocks for the most part because it didn't make any sense it didn't matter You know, the the time you lived in was that you made your own time,
0: right? I just published a photo from a couple of weeks ago. We were walking around town here, and there's a sundial on the um, on a building, not on you know sitting on the ground on the building, and it was accurate. Well, it was noon. It said noon, but it was two o'clock. But that's exactly right because we were two hours before two. Excuse me, two hours after solar time.
1: Uh, it was daylight it was, savings time. Watch that because it was talked about that, and, and really how finally they centralized in 1883, I think.
0: And now wow. your watch, if you have an Android watch, it shows. Uh, oh my God! No, you went and did it. No, no, no! no I, I won it. I told you this,
1: didn't I? That's right, right, right. I
0: won it, so I wouldn't have. I would never have paid for this. But the point is that these watches. We woke up uh, after daylight savings time, uh, Sunday uh, y- last night, la- uh, night before last, Sunday morning, um, and. One of our clocks is supposed to reset, but it hasn't for years. Like, they changed the frequency or whatever that it uses, and it doesn't work. Most of the clocks, same with the DVD player, it's not really connected to a TV signal, so it doesn't... Ch- so, there's a, we have, like, eight clocks that need to be set right. manually, but at least our phones, computers, and this
1: watch sets itself. And, and I now was we've thinking, all become slaves to time, which is one of the themes well, in that's that true. show. Isn't it? Is how now it's kind yeah. of corralled us into into uh being slaves to time as opposed to uh, you know just doing things as they come along of course that was also a very different society you mm-hmm. lived in a town that you lived in was where you were going to live your whole life typically mm-hmm. most of the time most people didn't go more than 10 miles from where they were born ever their entire lives so, right you know so i mean looking at it from a from a perspective 2014 is not a fair perspective necessarily but uh yeah it was a very interesting it's a six-part mini-series for pbs um and time was really cool because that's always fascinated me anyways and and i've always been one of these people i'm mr punctual and and i can't stand when other people aren't and uh and it kind of gets into that a little bit as well so i i'm sure i would have had I been brought up in that age, I would have been a product of my environment then.
0: The series you're talking about was came from this fellow who wrote the book, and that's he was the one that was interviewed on the podcast. So I know a little <laughs> was, bit about some of the other... Uh, Topics you're going to cover, like uh, clean water, is one of them.
1: Yes, and and if you
0: you may have seen the post I made about how we tend to deify people like Steve Jobs or uh, the inventor of Linux or you know what uh, not Linux but Unix, uh, Dennis Ritchie, and these people did great things. Whether you like Jobs or not, Uh, they did amazing and great things. But uh, in uh, one of the things that this person talked about was the fact that there was a guy who no one has ever heard of. In England, and uh, he decided to chlorinate water and changed the birth, uh, the, the death rate of newborns uh, 50%. And that's, that's a thing that they're going to cover, this clean water thing, and how it changed women's fashions forever because people started having swimming pools. Not people, but in towns, public swimming pools. And you had to have something to wear, and then they revealed more. This is a long, complex story. And that's why it's called How Did We Get Here? Isn't that what it is? Yeah. Because it shows these weird relations from uh, inventions and innovations and how they changed them. To get people like Reagan elected, there was that was one of them as well. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff. I'll be looking forward to that.
1: Yeah, and maybe that's we'll, the hour. maybe we'll have to do is uh, do a, maybe even do a show about that. Yeah. once all the six episodes are done, and we can kind of like go back and rehash. Uh, some of our thoughts on that because that's uh, that brings out the complete geek in me. It really does, and it's fascinating
0: stuff. It's a great I, I uh, it's it's, it's a know. it's a great uh, addition to stuff that you can watch on TV, and it's yeah. a great way to uh, contradict the dumbing down that TV often is responsible for.
1: I agree, and I agree. with that let's bring uh, with up that bring it's up off the music. to the salt mines for me it's yeah. one day morning and that means it's off to the salt mines <laughs> but i have to pay for my new car so i gotta go <laughs> right exactly but maybe you'll get a
0: gig on one of the new sitcoms
1: <laughs> see you next time okay everybody goodbye leave, leave the, the- that's right